Thank you, Lord Jesus. You may be seated. We are so blessed and honored to have with us Pastor Ray and his wife Liz and their son Josh, pastor of Koinonia Fellowship, East Rochester, a dear, dear friend. I count myself privileged and honored to call you friend. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Josh, Liz, thank you for sharing in this amazing series in the month of March, Transformed Real Gospel Stories. Real Gospel Stories. Would you welcome Josh Viola as he shares with us today his real gospel story. Amen. God bless you. Grace and peace. How is everybody? Amen. Let's pray again. Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. We pray that Jesus Christ would be exalted. For when Jesus is exalted, you would draw all men to yourself. We want you to take center stage. Anything that is not of you, we pray that it would not be said, God. We magnify you. Who is this God that we serve? You are so good. You are so good. Holy Spirit, fall upon us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a blessing to be here today. It's a joy to be alive today. Amen, Dad? Amen. Amen. Satan is mad. The heavens are rejoicing. And I don't know who you are. I know some of you here today. I don't know what you've got going on in your life. All different ages, all different races, financial statuses. But I know this. That whatever you're going through in your life is to drive you to Jesus Christ. This is what life is all about. Whether you're going through marital things, and I'm going to share my story in a minute. Financial things. Whatever the case, maybe you have a prodigal here today. It's all to bring us to the end of ourself, to bring us to the feet of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a jealous God. He's jealous for our love and our affections, amen? This is why Oprah Winfrey, this is why Brad Pitt were stumbled at the Christian faith because they said, I can't serve a God who is jealous. If we were to point people to ourselves and say, look at me, look at Josh, what would that make me? An egomaniac. But when Jesus points people to himself it's love you know why it's love because only Jesus Christ can satisfy you Isaiah 55 says why are you laboring for these things that are so worthless only I can satisfy you and maybe you're here today and I'm going to share my story I'm going to leave the preaching to dad but that worship was awesome (laughs) amen Maybe you're here today and you don't know God. The scripture says, harden not your hearts if you hear his voice. You know it. It's a language of the spirit. It's not English. It's not Japanese. God is going to speak to your hearts and you're going to know that he's speaking to you. It's the language of the Holy Spirit and it's a grace. If that grace is going to touch you today, respond to it later on. But maybe you're here today and you're in the church or you you have a prodigal or maybe you are a prodigal today. 
Revelation 2, the church of Ephesus, you could do missions, you could do worship, you could do whatever you're doing. But Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, you've left your first love. May we stay in love with Jesus Christ. I'm going to share my story, what happened with me in the church, raised by an awesome man of God, married, marriage ended, whole life fell apart right in front of me. My floor, my whole floor fell from out from under me. The Lord did this, I believe, in a grace to me. It says in Psalm 119, 71, it is good that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The the grace of affliction, the grace of the things that were going on that Jesus will use because he is a good father. He is a good father like the prodigal. Josh, you want to seek other things. You want to set your affections on other things. Okay. Go ahead, go do it, and in due time, I've got a word for you that if you have a prodigal, if you have implanted that seed in their hearts, they will come home. It says, train up a child in the way he will go, and in the end he will not depart. The Bible says that he who's begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. There may be some here who are on their seventh time, a righteous man falls seven times, there's going to be some here who get up today. And there are going to be some who the Holy Spirit, for the first time today, touches with the power of regeneration, and their eyes, and their spirit, and their affections are open, and Jesus will become Lord, and he'll become Savior, and most importantly, he'll become our treasure. He wants to be our treasure. He wants us to exalt him. And to love him above all else because he's good and only he can satisfy. Amen? My marriage fell apart. I tried everything I could to keep it together. And I couldn't keep my marriage together. I got very angry from that. I got very bitter from that. I had some other things that happened on, but for for the sake of time, I should probably put this up here so I don't preach the whole time. Uh, I was very bitter, very angry. And the enemy, the way he does with little breadcrumbs, just started sending temptations to me. You know how he does. I'm not, I'm not speaking in a foreign language. You guys know what the enemy does. I was broken. And being a pastor's kid, maybe pastor can relate to this or his kids can relate to this. Being as a pastor's son, all the good I do as a pastor's son is brought down and all the bad I do as a pastor's son is magnified. There's a certain pedestal to it. I've got a heart for for PKs. I was going through this divorce, going through this hard time. And you know what I wanted at that time? There was a few brothers who were born for the day of adversity, just someone to come and cry with me and pray with me, getting emails, this and that, false accusations, slander. It made me so bitter. Paul talks about let no root of bitterness be in you because what will happen is that seed, that unforgiveness, that bitterness, that resentment is God not going to be an end in itself. It's going to spring up and yield other sins. So my marriage is gone. 
My wife will not reconcile. She's out of the picture. She's gone. Children are gone. Work is gone. Everything is gone. And the devil came along and started, you know, a kid next door from my past started offering me pain pills. We know about, we probably have some here in this room with a group this size who know about the opiate epidemic. Amen. We're praying that the Lord will break that stronghold. There is hope. I'm standing here. These guys prayed. I'm here today preaching, testifying to Jesus' faithfulness. I started taking these pills. I started self-medicating. I started, God makes a way of escape, but I was selfish. I had pride issues. There was a lot of Josh Viola left, and I said, I'm going to throw a pity party, and I'm going to take care of this and mask this pain myself, and it spiraled out of control. You know what eventually happened. It led from pills to things that, guys, I'm telling you, things I thought I would never do, and that's what sin does, right? The devil never shows us in the end, in the alley, passed out on the verge of death, but I was there. I had gone from pills to heroin. And for the first time in my life, I was bound by, knowingly I was bound by sin before I came to Jesus, of course. But I had something in my life that I could not defeat. It was bigger than me. It had controlled my life. It had consumed me. I had tried to stop many times and I could not stop. Till one day, and I'm, this is the Reader's Digest version, and if this blesses your heart, I would love to go out with each and any one of you who would like to sit down and hear and talk about it because I have a heart for people and families with prodigals going through this very thing. One day, I had just come, I had tried to stop, and I couldn't stop, but the Lord was a good father. He was letting me be consumed with, uh, with, with the, the sin and come to an end of myself and my pride and my self-pity and my bitterness and my unforgiveness where I would come down to a very low place and go back to Jesus. Because it says in Psalm 34, 18, that there's one type of person that the Lord ministers to, those that are of a broken heart, and those that are of a contrite spirit. Not Pharisees, but those who are broken. Are we broken today? Where are we? Do you love him? God had brought me to the end of myself, and I started saying, God, I cannot do this. I need you. And I remember that Wednesday. I said, God, it's been years. I've lost everything. I need you back and he's so faithful that same day I prayed that prayer God had a brother in the Lord call me on the phone he said brother Josh God's got you on my heart man do you want to come to church tonight I said you bet I do he saw me started weeping when he saw me looked so light my skin was gray complexion was bad brought me to church and I was just filled with that Holy Spirit in that moment I was begging the Lord that Wednesday. I was like, Lord, I want to go back to church on Sunday. And I was praying, and I went to church that Sunday. The same guy brought me. And I went to church. Holy Spirit filled me. I came home. I said, Jesus, it was 12, 10 at night in the morning. And I said, Lord, I do not want to do this anymore. And you know what God did? 
I was in a place I could still remember the smell, the stench, the depravity, the filth, the wickedness of my sin. I was in a place that probably, and this isn't anything on you guys, but probably most of you would not go. But guess what happened at 12 time that night, that morning? The king of kings came down into that hotel room that I was in. And he came, and he was near to me. And he renewed a right spirit within me. And he brought me back into fellowship with his son. By God's grace. That next day, I knew it was the last time I took a picture of my cell phone, 1210. I knew it was done. I knew that the thing that I had tried to break so many times and could not break was broken. And Jesus can break any chains. Amen? We're talking about a God... We're talking about a God who in Genesis 1 said he ex nihilo. He created something out of nothing. And that same God in 2 Corinthians, it says that same God who spoke the world into existence speaks into our void of our hearts in our despair. We are nothing and God speaks and gives us life. He's here today. This is not just a song we sing. He's here. The healer is in the house today. To do that work. God brought me back. 1210, I take a, a picture. Listen to this. Listen to how good God is. Our God is so good. I take a picture. That same day, I still have some drugs on me. I'm going. I get arrested. Guy takes me. This is God. Watch how he works this out. He's so good. Just like Joseph in Genesis 50, 20. They meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Watch this, how God in his wisdom will take anything that we've messed up and turn it around for his glory. I get arrested. The guy's bringing me in. The police officer says, you know what? With the amount of drugs you have on, which I was supposed to get felonies for. We'll get into that in one second. You're going to jail. I said, don't I get a phone call? He said, yeah. They called my dad. A state trooper comes back to me. He says, Mr. Viola, I can't believe this. I said, what? He said, we just talked to your parents. There's usually a four-month waiting list, but today there's an open bed for detox. And you don't have to go to jail. Your parents will come get you right now and pick you up if you don't want to go. And they came and picked me up. I went to the detox. Haven't touched anything since, by God's grace. That day, I come out of detox. I come out of detox. And I said to the Lord with my mom, I'm going to get my hair cut. I said, God, this is how good our God is. I said, Lord, I need some fellowship. I need some men around me right now. I just came out of a whip dark season in my life. I get in the barber chair. My barber's a Christian. He's cutting my hair. He said, got a phone call. I said, Brother Josh. I said, yeah, Don. He said, uh, I don't know, man, if this, if this interests you at all, but... We just got a call from our church. We had a guy cancel on this men's retreat this weekend. Do you want to go? I said, yeah, I sure do. Then I go to court. Supposed to face two felony charges. He says, you have to go to this program. He sent me to this program, and we get in there, and I start talking to this lady, this counselor, and she basically says to me, you know, one of the things as protocol for graduating this program is you have to talk. I said, do you even understand what you're getting into? (laughs) I'm going to talk, all right. 
And I went into that program, and God in his sovereignty had me sitting with 20 people, domestic abuse, heroin addicts, prostitutes, crack addicts, to tell them that the problem isn't an addiction. Your issue isn't solved in 12 steps. It's an issue of the heart. You need to be regenerated. You need Jesus Christ to come in and break those chains that we cannot do in our own. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And he'll do that today for you. By God's grace, I graduate that program. Thousands of people go to this program. Got a call two weeks ago. They said, Josh, you know, we've been doing a lot of thinking. How would you consider you and your mom and your dad coming on to share, to be on our website? We want you, to, you guys to represent this program. So now the Lord has opened these opportunities to share with all these people. Now he's opening an opportunity for us to go on this website and to testify more of the power of Jesus Christ and the delivering work of the Holy Spirit. To God alone be the glory. Then I go to court. This is so picturesque of the gospel. Stood before that judge. Supposed to get these felonies. Supposed to have times. And he says, you know what, man? You've been faithful. And he wiped it away. He said, it's nothing. No problem. He reduced it. He reduced it to a petty, uh, something so small and menial. It was the Lord, Jesus. I want to let him come up because, I, man, I could stay up here all day. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I want to end with this for, for my aspect. This God. Who is this God that we're talking about? How good is he? We're talking about a savior who in the hours of six, in in the time of six hours, paid for on the cross what would take Josh Viola an eternity to pay for. Who is this God? He treated his son like his son was the heroin addict so he could treat me like I was lived Jesus Christ's life. The imputation of Christ. He treats us. He reckons us. We're justified. We're saved. Amen? Last but not least, third closing. (laughs) I think of David and Goliath. David and Goliath. And so often you'll hear preachers say, man, look at the Lord. will give us these victories over this Goliath. And David was the mismatch and he was the underdog. But you know what, guys? In my opinion, that's not right. We're not David. We're Saul and the Israelites. We're cowards. We're afraid. We're dismayed. We're overwhelmed by Goliath. But what did it say of David, who was a greater, who Jesus was a greater of David, and Jesus, who was a greater of Abraham, it said that David's victory counted for all who was in him. For all of Israel. It said that David's brothers didn't know him. Like Jesus' brothers didn't know him. It says that David was the anointed one. And Jesus was the anointed one. And my life now is hidden in Jesus Christ. And the life that Jesus lived is credited to my account. And we don't fight for victory, brethren. We fight from victory. The victory is yours in Jesus. Amen. Thank you.
Sunday service is over. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Oh, my. Thank you, Pat, for having us here. I understand the service goes to three this afternoon, so I got a little time, right? Amen. Amen. I love Pat. He's a great brother. His wife, great sister, they've been such an encouragement to us. Pat's prayed with me and walked through me and Lizzie for these two years. Josh gave his testimony, and for those two years that he was using heroin, we never knew, never knew, if the next knock on the door or the next text message was going to be he's in jail or come and identify the body. Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe some of you are there today. The only thing that we had to hold on to was the promises of God, the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God. And I always believed in miracles. But now I really believe in miracles. If you know what I mean, when God gives you one. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. If you'll open in your Bibles to Isaiah 61, please. Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. The year is 698 B.C. There's a prophecy. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Fast forward 725 years in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 4, please. Or Luke 4, did I say? Thank you, Josh. Luke 4. Josh asked me on the way here, he says, Dad, you've been preaching for so long, do you ever get nervous? I said, all the time. When I stop getting nervous, that's when I should open up a bakery or something. <laughs> Luke four sixteen, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, He found the place, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Sound familiar? 
because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the covering of the sight of the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. The eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Imagine sitting in that synagogue service. They had heard Isaiah 61 over and over and over again. It was a messianic prophecy. One's going to come. One's going to come with good news. One's going to come with the power to heal, the power to save, the power to deliver, the power to set you free. There's one's going to come that is going to be your exodus. Jesus finds the scroll of Isaiah. He finds the scroll. And he reads Isaiah. And he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. I tell you, if they were sitting back in pews, if they had any, now they're on the front. They're on, there's a, there's a, oh, you know what this means. He's come. The day has come. The day of deliverance. The day of salvation. The day of hope. You see, today's service is all about hope, right? The Bible says, hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Hope, hope. That's why Josh and I are here today. That you, especially you that are going through times where you think it's over, it's lost. It, 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 there, there's nothing good that can come from this. Today's all about hope. Hope. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Romans 15, 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. God is going to give you today, in the name of Jesus, fresh hope. Fresh hope. And our prayer is that you're going to leave different than when you came in because today's going to be a day of exodus and if you and I were sitting in that synagogue and Jesus were given an altar call that day everyone would be a friend because what Jesus described he came to do describes everyone here today every one of us here today he is the God who produces hope he is the God who inspires hope. And two of the greatest enemies of hope is when we forget the promises of God or when we diminish the power of God. It's so common. We get afraid of what God says he will do because it has been abused by craziness and circus-like stuff. But our God is still the God of power, the God of deliverance, the God of hope, the God that sets people free. Do you believe that today? If you don't believe that, you can go. You can go. I've got nothing to say to you. But if you're here in a hopeless situation, if you're here in a situation where you think it's all over, if you're here today and you're thinking, I've gone too far, I've, I've, I've crossed the line, I've got news for you. 
Good news for you. Jesus came to set you free. Jesus came to set you free. He stands up to read. It was the custom for the reader to stand except when the book of Esther was read at the Feast of Purim. And then he would sit. And so they would read the scriptures. The scriptures were delivered by the minister of the synagogue. He was known as the Kazan. And there would be seven portions of scripture that were read. The first was the parasha. It was just a brief lesson. And then it was followed by a reading from the prophets and then some kind of an explanation. That's where Jesus comes in. But he opens to the scroll of Isaiah. He opens to the scroll of Isaiah. You see, that day was determined by God before the foundation of the world. Today is a day that was determined by God before the foundation of the world. Nobody is here by accident. Nobody's here by accident. Even if you got dragged here, it wasn't an accident. You know what that was? That was a divine appointment by the Almighty for you. Because he's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance. And so Jesus found, finds the place, and he reads Isaiah 61.3. Bear in mind that in that messianic passage of Scripture, Isaiah pictures the deliverance of Israel from exile in Babylon. He's really declaring here a year of jubilee. The year of jubilee occurred. Every 50 years. And that was when all debts were canceled. All slaves are freed. All property is returned to the original owners. And every Jew was taught this. And every Jew anticipated the day. When is it going to happen? When will it be fulfilled? 725 years later. The hometown boy. Yeshua, the carpenter's son, as his custom was. Can you imagine this? Jesus, son of God, he went to church every Sunday, every Sabbath. What could you teach him? What could you possibly teach him? As his custom was, he comes. Now, Many scholars believe that this is the first time that Jesus is asked to read the scriptures in the synagogue. Because if you jump down to verse 23 of, of Luke 4, he's already been doing miracles. They're wondering, who is this kid? Who is this carpenter's boy? And Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of Jehovah is upon me. And the rabbis correctly interpreted the passage from Isaiah 61 to refer to the Messiah. So Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. The expression anointed is used in allusion to the Jewish prophets and priests and kings of which Jesus is the fulfillment of all. He is the prophet of God, the high priest, the king of kings. That's Jesus. And they were all consecrated to their offices by the anointing with oil. 
And the unction of the Messiah was the Holy Spirit, not just oil. It was given to him without measure. And that's why his name, the anointed one, is Christ or Christos. You see, some people think of Jesus' name, Lord Jesus Christ, like you sign a check. I'm old. I still write checks. Some of you just transfer funds. And they think it's Lord J. Christ with a memo for the RG&E bill or something. You got it all wrong. Lord is his title. Jesus is his name. Christ is his office. And here Jesus takes the scroll, he reads it, and he, he announces that he's been anointed by Adonai Jehovah for the express purpose of granting deliverance to sinners. Who's awake? The rest of you. Nudge your neighbor. Tell him, wake up. We sang it. Everybody's saying it. He's risen. Death couldn't hold him. He's risen. He's alive. You believe that? You know what that means? This same Jesus who preached in the synagogue is here today. He still is fulfilling this prophecy of Isaiah. He is the deliverer. As Josh said, there's not a 12-step, 10-step program there's in the gospel of Jesus Christ a one-step recovery program, and that's faith in Christ. And I'm not knocking programs. That, that, that's the best man can do. But I'm here to tell you today, if you're bound by addictions of all kinds, Christ can set you free today. When a leper came to Jesus... Jesus says, what do you want? He says, I want to be clean. He says, I know you have the power, but are you willing? Some people question his willingness. Don't question his willingness. He not only has the power, he will. He will. And here's the beautiful thing about Jesus and lepers. Leprosy is a type of sin. In, in that, that culture, even today, when a leper touches someone that is clean, the clean get infected. But when Jesus touches a leper, the infected become clean. You see, and he can and he will set you free today. I believe that with all of my heart. And so Jesus here takes the scroll. And he says, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. We have no idea how wicked and horrible and vicious sin is. We see the effects of it. It steals, it kills, it destroys Sin is a monster. And every one of us in this sanctuary were born S-I-N positive. And there's only one cure for sin, and his name is Jesus. One cure. One cure. One. Just one. 
Now, some people say, oh, Pastor Ray, that's pretty narrow-minded. If I told you I had the cure to cancer, and it's in one of these little, where'd those vials go? Right here. Throw me one, Pat. See? Shortstop. Flips on the fur. I have here the cure for cancer. Come, a little dabble, do you? Whoop! You wouldn't say, that's pretty narrow-minded, would you? This is the cure for cancer. It's Jesus. I say there's one cure for your sin. Life is short. Death is sure. Sin the cause. Christ the cure. Remember that. That's the gospel. Jesus says, I've come. Notice where he starts with the gospel. You see, because if you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord, he can and he might heal you. He might deliver you. But then what? You die. And then you step into eternity. The first order of business is the salvation of your soul. That's that's at the top of the list. The salvation of your soul. Do you know that your sins are forgiven this morning? Do you know that you are heaven bound? You can know. You can know. Jesus has searched the scriptures to a bunch of legalists, theologians of the day. He says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And, and this, isn't, this isn't putting, Jesus wasn't putting down the preaching of the scriptures, but they were making it all heady, all academic. But Jesus, but you will not come to me that you will have life. The purpose of the word of God Small w is to introduce you to the capital W, word of God, that you might be set free from him. Jesus, you will not come to me that you might have life. 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 Until you know Jesus, you're biologically existing. Until you know him. But then when you know him, you have life. First order of business, you come to Christ. You might say, oh, Pastor Ray, I wish I was poor in spirit. You are. You are. Some of you may be sitting here this morning and thinking, well, if I'm good enough, if I'm religious enough, if I work hard enough, I'll make it into the kingdom of God. You know what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6? The Bible says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. The best we can do stinks. What about the other stuff? That's why Jesus said he didn't come to call the righteous. You know why? There aren't any. There aren't any. He came to call sinners to repentance. Me, you. That's why he hung on that cross. He came to heal the brokenhearted. The word brokenhearted means crushed. Broken in pieces. Sin breaks your heart, doesn't it? How many of you have ever had a broken heart? How many of you have one right now? He's not talking about the organ that pumps the blood. He's talking about the core of who you are. You see, because that's what gets broken by sin. And Jesus said, I've come to heal that. 
I've come to heal that. Messiah Jesus declared that the Spirit of God was upon him to heal the brokenhearted. He says to proclaim liberty to the captives. Oh my, oh my. Sin makes people captive and enslaves them. That's, the, the, that's Satan's desires. You heard our son. Satan wants to have you. He wants to have you. He wants to keep you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to kill you. Every temptation of the enemy is a lie. It's a lie to ensnare you. And there are people today, all of us, in some way, shape, or form, we're bound by sin in some particular manifestation of that sin. Bound. Some people are captives to drugs. Some people are captives to alcohol. Some people are bound and captive to pornography. Some people are captive to covetousness. But then the enemy doesn't care what he snares you with. As long as he's got you. He doesn't care. Some people are bound by fears. The Messiah Jesus declared that the Spirit of God was upon him to set people free. You believe that today? That he can deliver you from whatever is binding you? I had a testimony like Josh, not as intense as his. His was heroin addiction for two years. Mine was crystal methadone. And Jesus came into my life September 28th, 1975. I walked into a Baptist church at 6.30, bound as you could be bound. I walked out at 8.10 and I said, what, pray tell, just happened to me. I'll tell you, it wasn't what, it was who. It was who. It was who. You don't get delivered by what. You get delivered by who. You get set be free by who. Come to Christ, he sets you free. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching myself happy. And I'm glad they, they, they turned the microphone on. The last time I was here with Pastor Pat was for a prayer night or something like that. They forgot to turn the microphone on. I'm yelling. I'm going, they're not hearing me. I thought, Pat, was I that bad? Hope, deliverance, hope, deliverance, hope, deliverance, setting people free. I've been bound for a long, a long time. Jesus can break those chains. Jesus eats chains. You believe that? You believe that? Dan, you believe that? That's what he does. He eats chains. Doesn't care how long. Josh showed me that picture. He goes, Dad, look, this was the night the Lord set me free. And what Josh didn't tell you, that when he was done with the detox, they said, well, we, we want to put you on some um, substitutes. Let's put you on Suboxone. He goes, I don't need it. I've got Jesus. Recover your sight to the blind. Sin blinds us. And one of the most blinding things is religion. 
The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 that the Jews had a veil over the, their heart every time the Old Testament was read. But when that veil was lifted by the Spirit of God, when they saw that Christ was the Messiah, then they were set free. You know, we're, we're entering into a, a season of the year, should Jesus tarry, where many people are going to be celebrating Easter. I like to call it Resurrection Sunday. Resurrection Sun, S-O-N day. And I'll tell you why. For me. Because for many years I celebrated Easter. But after I got born again, I started celebrating the sun. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I went to church on Easter. I had to. I didn't get the rabbit. The chocolate rabbit. I didn't get the basket. Great motives, right? New pants, new shirt, new shoes. Poor Italian home, chocolate bunny, I'll go. I went in, came out. In, out, in, out, in, out, nothing. Until September 28th, 1975, 8:10 p.m., then all of a sudden my world changed. In a moment. Doesn't take God a long time. Remember in the book of Genesis, God said, let there be light. When the Spirit of God is speaking to you, he speaks into your soul. Let there be life. Boom. Boom. Bada bee, bada ba. Boom. <laughs> power. Thunder. Godly th thunder. Godly power. Set at liberty those that are oppressed. Oh, oppression. Oppression. Now, this is a bad parallel but when I'm flying back home from overseas or out of town, I always know when I'm approaching Rochester. Always. It's cloudy, and the temperature, as I'm, I'm in India, it's sunny for a month, 85 degrees. It's overcast skies, and my spirits just You know what oppression is? Oppression is demonic. Oppression is that dark cloud of despair and despondency that believes the lies of the devil more than the truth of God. Oppression chokes you. It's like cutting off oxygen to your brain. You ever wake up in the morning, nothing's ever happened, you're bummed out. He just bummed out. I'm going to go back to bed. What do you think that is? It's oppression. It's oppression. Way down. You know where oppression comes from? It comes right from the pit of hell. The Bible says in Acts 10.38... God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. It's not just being bummed out. We all have those days, right? We're, 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 we're mortal. We have good days. We have bad days. That's not what this is talking about. Just a life of oppression. Everything's a weight. Everything's a dark cloud. I talk to people at church. You know, on one Sunday, I'm kind of oppressed. Next Sunday, I'm kind of oppressed. The, the next month, I'm kind of oppressed. Go, you got a problem here. This is more than just having a bad season. This is the enemy weighing you down, believing. You're believing his lies. 
Now, the things that may be weighing you down, listen carefully, the things that may be weighing you down may be true, but not everything that is true is the truth. What's the truth? Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And there are people that get oppressed by things and they stay up all night worrying about them. Do you ever stay up all night worrying about things? Anybody? Thank you, sister. You're, you're honest. You're honest. This section, this section of here is just a bunch of liars. <laughs> you're living in denial. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. So that thing that, that keeps you up at night, you know what, when you raise your hand, you know what you told me? You know how to meditate. You're just meditating on the wrong thing. You're meditating on what is true, not what is truth. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Oh my, oh my, Pat, it's 11.57. He's winking at me. What does that mean? Brother. I'm going somewhere, okay? No, you're going somewhere. You're going to come up here. That's what you're going to do. So Jesus declares this. He closed the book, and their eyes were fastened on him. And Jesus said, this day, the scripture is fulfilled. Can you imagine being in that synagogue that day? After years of anticipation, after years of wondering, when is he going to come? When is he going to come? Jesus reads the text and he sits down. He says, today, this day is fulfilled. Today, today. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Salvation isn't only coming to Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, that's first and foremost. Salvation is that work of God where he delivers you. He heals you of broken hearts, captivity, oppression, depression. He sets you free. Now, let's be honest. You're in church. How many of you would say in the things that the fivefold description of sin, being lost, brokenhearted, blind, captive, oppressed, how many would say, well, that, that describes me, one of those things? Yes, I see that hand. I see that hand. Yeah. Okay. Do you realize that today the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the gospel. He didn't only come to preach deliverance to the captives. He came to be your deliverer. Yours. Yours. It's as if you're the only one here today. He came to set you free. Now, I know it's a little risky when you say to people, come forward. We want to pray for you. But where did, did Jesus die for you in a corner? He died for you on a major highway. 
He died for you. He bled for you openly. He hung on that cross for six hours for your wickedness, your filth, your dirt, your sin, your iniquity. And you know what you get from all of that? What I get from all of that? Guilt, condemnation, frustration, depression. But when Jesus said it is finished, you know what that means? It's done. The debt of sin has been paid. The debt of sin has been paid. Your debt of sin and your deliverance. I believe with all of my heart that if you today embrace these promises of God, Jesus Christ will set you free. I've experienced it. Josh has experienced it. Maybe your thing isn't hard drugs. Maybe it's pornography. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because that could cause more problems. But here's the thing about sin. We tend to think that it only affects me. It affects others around you. And here's the beautiful thing. When the Lord sets you free, listen carefully, when the Lord sets you free, all of those that have been hurt or wounded or bound by that consequence are set free too. No, I love my son. I'm glad that he's delivered. We have a miracle living in our home. But we still, I'm still dad. Right, John? <laughs> Josh's response is, I love you. So we still have dad and son things and all of this. But here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do. And I really mean this. The Messiah, Jesus, is in our midst this morning, Beloved. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I'm there in the midst. He's not with us physically, but he is right here. He is in the house. He's here right now. If not, who are we singing to? Mickey Mouse? Who are we singing to? We're singing to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Deliverer, the one who comes to set us free. He still is the anointed one that forgives sin. Maybe you hear this one and say, I can't be forgiven. You don't know the things that I've done. In fact, pastor, I'm telling you that I've got drugs flowing through my vein right now. And, I, and I'm not in my right mind. I'm telling you, my friend, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how dirty it's been. If you will come to Jesus Christ with a broken and a contrite heart, he'll set you free. He will free you. He'll free you. He'll take the weight of the guilt, the frustration, the pain, the He'll take it. You'll soar out of here. You're going to have that look in your face, and you're going to go home. People are going to say, what happened to you? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. A broken heart. Maybe there's some kind of an addiction. Here's what I like to do. I'm like my son. Today I'm following my son's example. 
This is my third closing. Jesus Christ came to be our deliverer. He not only came to give us a gospel, he is the gospel. And Jesus is the one who makes beauty out of ashes. Yeah, worship team, I guess you're supposed to come up. Is that what's supposed to happen? Here they come. Look, they're coming. They're coming out of Here they come. The ladies. The brother. Jamo, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. He still sets people free. He still makes beauty out of ashes. He still turns mourning into joy. He gives hope to the hopeless. He brings to life things that are dead. Maybe with you, it's your marriage. It's dead. Get Jesus back in the middle of that thing. Maybe you have a prodigal. Anybody here have a prodigal? Anybody? Anybody? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, multiplied by ten because there's got to be more. They're out there. And maybe it's not you, but you, I'm, I would ask you to come forward and you pray for your prodigal. You pray and you pray and you believe and you'll have your moments. Lizzie and I had our moments for two years. Two years. But our God is the God of miracles. You believe that? He's the God of miracles. My God still does miracles. And if you doubt that, anyone that is here today that has been born again, that is the greatest miracle. That God would take a rebel like me or you, filled with sin and rebellion against him, hating him, wanting nothing to do with him. I don't want this man to reign over me. And then I see him hanging on that cross for my sin. Raymond, I did this for you. I died to set you free. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. You know, in wrestling, when you get pinned, you lose. In the kingdom of God, when God pins you, you win. And I believe that some of you need to get pinned today. Want to get pinned today. The only thing that may keep you back is a little bit of pride. What are they going to think? Does it really matter when you breathe your last breath? Does it matter what anybody thinks? You're going to see the king of kings face to face. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song that God is the God of miracles. Why don't we um, stand? Pat, worship, uh, prayer team, you guys come forward, okay? I'm not exactly sure how this is going to happen, but I know this. I know this. When Pat asked me about two months ago to pray about coming here, I immediately told him the passage of Scripture that I would be sharing from. And I believe today that the Lord has ordained this day for you. Today is your exodus. Today is your day of deliverance. Today is your day of salvation. Today is the day where that broken heart, that oppression, that, that bondage, whatever it is, the Lord has come to set you free today. And so as we're worshiping, you guys come forward. You guys come forward. Let these dear brothers and sisters pray with you.